it might seem chaotic, but I still believe it has some higher order, which we are just investigating and trying to interact with it through our experimentations. And of course, we can do right and wrong things. And only by doing this, we will be able to learn more and more and to understand that we still know nothing and still have to discover and experiment more. This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. In reality, Ukrainian people are much better, much more interesting and friendly than other people expect. This podcast is about the real life, experiences, work, and personalities of Ukrainian people with a focus on the capital Kiev so that foreigners discover the positive truth about Ukraine, visit the country, and invest in the economy creating more opportunities for the younger Ukrainian generations to stay and build their country. Hello, my name is Aziz and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help clean the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero to me and even though he struggled with cancer after that for the rest of his life, he always told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then, from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to build orphanages for the children who lost their families for the, in the war. I couldn't return to Ukraine in 2020 because of coronavirus, so this project is my volunteer work to help Ukraine, and thank you all so much for the support. This podcast now is ranked number one on Apple Podcasts about Ukraine. Top 60 travel podcasts in the UK, top 50 travel podcasts in Italy, top 25 travel, travel podcasts in Apple Russia, and top 20 on Apple Poland, and just today, top 100 travel podcasts in Switzerland. Thank you. My guest today is Darina Lukyanenko. Darina graduated from the Kiev Polytechnic Institute with a master's degree with honors in math modeling in economics and economical cybernetics. She is now the principal program manager of innovation at the Raiffeisen Bank Aval. She is passionate about creating and incubating projects from their very early stages and shortening the path of innovation to market. She is focused on creating value out of emergent technologies such as AI, ML, IoT, blockchain, crypto, big data, data science, scientific research, as well as to contribute to global projects aiming to bring humans to wider frontiers. She is a true design thinker. Darina, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you for such a um, bright introduction. Look. I am so glad, happy, and I know that you don't have much time. So the question that is most interesting to me, I won't even ask about your story because I presented it. Look, you are passionate about starting projects from their early stage, correct? Yes, that's right. Well, I there is a difference in human psychology that some people are made to be project starters, but they have a very difficult time finishing projects while other people can get projects that are already started and finish them. 
Well, do you have both qualities, which is not common? And if so, how do you think, what is in your mind that happens that make you able to finish projects? Or is it just deadlines and therefore that is the biggest driver of all projects being completed and therefore a good thing? It's an interesting question. I'm, I started thinking if I um, if I am really having both, but definitely I'm um, I'm very interested in getting let's say life or getting birth to uh, some new initiatives and some new projects or products, um, especially because I believe there are not a lot of people who are eager like me about doing this. Uh, why it's interesting? Because it's always risky. It's always uncertain. And many people don't like uncertainty and try to avoid it. Um, maybe I'm quite a brave enough person uh, to always try uh, to understand that something may fail. And it's kind of normal because without um, failures, you will never have a successful experiment. So any any new birth is like... Wait, wait, wait. Uh, this is wonderful. So you're mm -hmm. speaking about variance in statistics and by opening negative variance, you allow for positive variance. And therefore, an even deeper question, and I like this because you're my kind of person and I can go into the matrix of reality with you. What is your opinion about chaos theory? And do you perceive, <laughs> and I know it's a, <laughs> it's a big question, but do you perceive reality as uh, following the model of chaos theory where in reality it's uh, we cannot predict what we can do is uh, we start new projects there is risk and that that there isn't really a correct way of doing anything the only correct thing is to try different alternatives and more things so that you know like the Gibraltar's law in, in economics that when there are a hundred startups you have no way of knowing which one will succeed no matter what you try all we know in the end, 12% will be medium to large size companies. So uh, can you speak about chaos theory, whether that is how you perceive reality or you perceive it in the um, older uh, analytical scientific way of cause and effect that are certain and not probabilistic? Well, you know, here I would, uh, my answer would be, it's like both. Yes, I think that the reality itself has some big global order however this order is so complex so uh difficult to understand that uh, we as a human beings we are much smaller much simpler and uh, for us it looks more like a chaos and of course um we don't know the correct way of doing of doing things right so we may learn about the correct way only through our experience so if we do not experience something, we never know how it works. So let's say maybe it's our role as a humans in this life to discover uh, this um, reality. It might seem chaotic, but I still believe it has some higher order, which we are just investigating and trying to interact with it through our experimentations. And of course, we can do right and wrong things. And only by doing this, we will be able to learn more and more and to understand that we still know nothing and still have to discover and experiment more. This so is wonderful. 
So when you are your interest in startup startup projects, I'm not speaking about startup businesses, but like the early stages of new and innovative projects, is it in a way a fulfillment of this uh, drive or thought or belief that by trying new things you will learn more about the reality? of life <laughs> my laptop almost fell <laughs> yes yeah maybe okay. surprisingly but yes and still uh at the same time i believe that not only me but also people whom i cooperate with on this uh, way they will also learn so they will also discover their part of reality so i i'm not doing this uh, just for me but also for the community i'm uh communicating with Great, which is unexpected. And please only give an answer that is um, appropriate. So normally in typical banking uh, culture, it's the opposite of this, where security, safety, is staying within the comfort zone and within the limits of what is known and what is expected is the right way to succeed or be accepted or be okay. So in some ways, are you an entrepreneur and uh, where you have been chosen to be that agent of change, the agent that explores the unknown to bring the treasures and the elixir back to the community to expand that comfort zone? <laughs> or are you uh, more like your bank is more of a... F okay, I won't say... I would not comment on your bank, but okay, is... Or are you put specifically there because of uh, uh, the culture where you work is more about innovation and trying new things? Well, I think I, I'm there as an agent of change, of course. And uh, Raiffeisen is quite a classical bank. However, we live in a modern world, in the VUCA world, right? So uh, every organization to succeed and to survive and to, to be sustainable within the certain period of time needs to adopt its practices to the current conditions. So that's why a classical banking culture needs some new injection, yeah, of some new kind of culture. And so that's probably why I'm there. Um, and my role is not exactly the entrepreneur. My role is to, I'm, I, you know, I'm a program manager for innovation. So I'm someone who creates the space for entrepreneurs to appear to grow and to become successful. So in some ways, you are the mother <laughs> who is raising the community and letting those uh, streaks of entrepreneurship or intrapreneurship that would have been otherwise neglected or not given space in a culture that is more traditional, they will have space for them to be encouraged to grow for the new ideas to actually get materialized and therefore you get cybernetic feedback that allows you to get the feedback whether it's working or not and therefore you get new competencies, uh, new skills, new ideas, new products that can keep the innovation because as Peter Drucker would say, the only two things in business that make profit are marketing and innovation. Everything else is an ex expense to support these two. So you're doing the profitable thing, which is encouraging innovation and managing it. Okay, I will say two things. Gary Vee speaks about managing people as babysitting. 
and that they say, he says there is too much ego and emotions and conflict that come from people just being together that has nothing to do with the work. Do you behave uh, like, I'm not saying that your people, this is not a comment on them, but how do you deal with the human relationships and the way that conflicts that can come just out of human ego or human tendencies to keep the harmony and allow a culture where people go up together rather than have any kind of conflict? Hmm, let me think a bit. Of course, you know, the first uh, thing is, of course, I'm dealing with the culture. And uh, in the innovation practices uh, within the bank, um, there are much more cultural and people-related things than somebody may imagine from the first, let's say, glance. Um, but let's say that um, dealing with the conflicts is not my direct um, responsibility. I would say, of course, uh, some people um, perceive new things with certain um, accurate, not, not an accuracy, but uh, with certain. So sometimes they, they they don't really appreciate changes, but we try to um, more or less uh, bring everybody uh, to the new condition when person become change lover. How it depends. It's very really individual. Um, and yeah, we are working with the teams. Sometimes we have uh, discussions or objections inside the teams. And we try, we try to show some other ways of thinking um, or looking at the same uh, things. So that's how. But it's not, let you. me repeat it again. It's not, it's not my direct responsibility to, to deal with conflicts. Yes. And let's not talk too much there. I'm trying to be cautious. That's why I say, like, I'm not saying anything about you because I notice in Ukraine, if I bring someone who works in a company, then if one sentence the, they don't like, then they keep on contacting me like, no, we don't like it. Delete everything. No, we hate it. So I try to not even speak about businesses and to stay just out from that kind of uh, problems. Then to you as a person. What is the design thinking and why is it important in your life? And do you use it in your life in other areas like to think about your day, to think about uh, your schedule, to think about your life in general? <laughs> it's a good question and a funny one because, um, yes, I think I'm using it. But it's not, you know, in the way that I'm sitting down and purposely taking you know some framework from design thinking and trying to do this but rather you start to use those tools intuitively and occasionally depending on uh, the real task or the real problem you are trying to solve um, which is uh, not um, only for for professional life but also for the personal life as well uh, and uh, what is design thinking you know i would say that for me the another um words for design thinking is innovation with the human face. Um, not innovation for the sake of innovation, not innovation for the sake of technology, but uh, design thinking is something when we are designing for ordinary people, for ourselves. And remembering always that every person, every user, every customer or every colleague, uh, whatever his or her position is, is just a human in the first place. So it's trying to understand what uh, the human feels, uh, what fears, what, I don't know, dreams uh, he or she has. And based on this, uh, trying to predict or to model or even to set trend for some new uh, patterns, behavioral patterns, 
which then result, of course, in services, products, businesses, and technologies. Okay, if I understood you correctly, this means you do like that thinking about the the user journey or the customer journey, and you think about each step, what they will be feeling, what friction will be there, what needs they will have, and you try to innovate based on those understandings, new solutions, new things that will give them a better experience, better results, and if there is any friction to alleviate that frustration. Am I speaking about this in a way that is correct, or is do you do something else, or you meant something else? I meant this and also something else. Because to uh, really innovate, this is the one way to go. And we use this practice quite often. But uh, as you probably everybody knows these famous words from Henry Ford, that if I was asking people uh, how they want to travel, they would ask me for uh, better horses, right? But not for the car. So sometimes you have to be brave enough uh, to experiment with the solution that you propose. But still, you, you have to remember for whom you are designing this solution. And of course, you need to get feedback on the prototype that you created. So not always it's just it comes from the uh, direct customer journey. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But still talking to the user and seeing how he behaves uh, is important part of any innovation. I love it. It's your cybernetic specialist speaking there where the feedback is the one that determines what happens in the system. And this is really rich, as the Spanish will say, rico, which is really like interesting for me. So, okay. What is your process for ideation? Do you have a favorite technique like the IDEO method or the Edward de Bono um, type of thinking or one of those, I forget the name, but there is one for Soviet Union engineers that they add, add something or delete something or take apart and expand it and all those kind of processes. Do you have a structured processes for innovation or is it more like those inventors where you think, 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 think about the problem, you and your team and everyone involved. But then when they're in the shower or running or doing something like that, the idea comes. You know, uh, for ideation, all the tools are good. And uh, we have, uh, we have, let's say, a set of them and using them depending on the task. Something that we are using quite often is um, uh, the design sprint te uh, technology or framework developed by Google Ventures. And uh, for ideation, they use crazy aids and, you know, uh, kind of uh, when you're getting inspired from uh, some examples from, on the market and so on and so forth. But basically for uh, ideation, you first need to get as much ideas as possible. And then you have to prioritize them, to filter them and to choose or pick one or two or three maximum, which are the best ones. And you will create prototype only for those which you uh, ranked as the best ones. So first step is to create as many as possible. And believe me, there are uh, a lot of tools um, present uh, for this. And some of those tools are so funny and entertaining. People really like to do this. So for example, you may ask um, if we take like our banking uh, sector. So we, we may ask our people, imagine you were working for SpaceX. How would you solve this problem if you were in SpaceX, for example? Uh, this um, method is called um, uh, target question. 
Um, or, for example, you may ask another thing. So um, imagine the anti-solution, anti something that would not help, but rather would destroy um, the idea that you are just proposing and so on and so forth. So you are thinking from different perspectives um, um, in unusual um, circumstances and trying to ideate without any limitations, without any boxes, uh, as much as possible. Yeah, there are other tools to, to prioritize and um, to shortlist all the ideas that were generated. You know, the definition of wisdom is having many perspectives on one thing, which is wonderful. It means through creativity, you are training yourself to be wise, which is very nice. Now, then, you work with uh, new kinds of technologies, whether machine learning, uh, artificial intelligence, or uh, Internet of Things, etc. Are you specialized and you know these things very well? Or do you manage people who are specialized and therefore your expertise is more of the managerial and putting resources in the right place and the, and the right coordination for them to lead to the outcome? Uh, it's more managerial uh, way of understanding. But as a manager, especially somebody who is involved in the technology business and banking for now is a highly technology business. Uh, also, I worked for a number of technology businesses before the bank. Uh, you have to uh, have good understanding of the technologies, uh, how they work, uh, what they are used for, and so on. But um, I don't have any... Um, hands-on experience on the present technologies. However, I started my career uh, some years ago uh, with uh, coding. So I was actually the software developer at my first or second uh, workplace. Uh, however, then I moved more to the business part and now I'm rather managing than uh, creating uh, the technological um, uh, solutions. And I would like to add here that any technology is basically the tool Right, so uh, the tool which serves a certain purpose, business purpose, consumer purpose, uh, it creates value for people in the end. So that's why you really need to understand the technology, but uh, to be able to pick the right one and to use it for creating value for humans. Okay, this is wonderful. I noticed that you defined design as innovation with a human face and you speak now that technology is a tool that adds value to humans then i will ask you and this is not the typical stereotype someone who does math modeling and was a coder is expected to be uh, more of a robot that doesn't really connect with people very well but it seems that you have a sense of community and the sense of the human empathy are you a person who finds it, in a way, easy and preferable to communicate and deal and build relationships and groups with people? Or is it something that you didn't begin with as someone who is more mathematical and scientific and you understood that those softer skills and empathy need to be developed and therefore you worked on it over time? You know, I think I was lucky enough to be born with both. And um, that's the question which I'm pretty often asked so who, who, am, who am I? More technical or more, uh, let's say, um, social person or creative person? And I think that creative is a number one here. Actually, I'm pretty good in uh, 
softer, uh, let's say, skills. And my hobbies are not just innovations, but I'm also playing music. I, I like singing and so on and so forth. And I think that really creativity and innovation happens um, when you combine or merge uh, the areas which uh, are uh, uncommon to be merged, right? So if, if you add some mathematic to the music or the other way around, it probably could create some interesting, um, interesting outcome. So I'm looking, I'm looking in the world um, in a way to, to find uh, interesting intersections, something that was not tried before. Thank you, Darina. It was a wonderful discussion. Can you finish by sharing, if people want to learn more about you, uh, can you share just some one piece of advice that you think is important for the world to hear? And how can people connect with you if they want to connect with you? Uh, well, the piece of advice, um, let me think. I think that the most important um, issue for, for the planet as a whole is that we as humans need to rethink our behavioral patterns, our cons consumer patterns, because um, the world is changing and we have to change uh, accordingly. So we, we cannot stay in the stable world when everything is changing around. So I pretty believe that we are moving to some new kind of society, some society which is not discovered yet. But I would rather recommend everybody to open their minds to the possibilities um, and opportunities that are arising around us. Yeah? Don't, don't try to, to keep um, everything stable because I think that the opportunities that come uh, they are brilliant, and please, let's be open to them. Let's be ready to, to try new things and uh, to come to the new uh, way of communication with each other. Um, for the connection, I would recommend to um, contact me either uh, via LinkedIn or uh, via Facebook. So you may find me there. My name is Darina Lukyanenko. I live in Kiev, Ukraine, and um, any contact is very welcome. I would be happy to... Um, to connect with you. Thank you very much and I wish you a great day. Thank you very much as well. It was a wonderful interview and I, I believe you have a great initiative and your personal story about Ukraine is also very touching. I never knew it before so I first heard it when you opened the recording. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful to your family and uh, to your dedication to Ukraine as well. Thank you so much.